and welcome back to Reality Roots Podcast. I took a break, so it's welcome back to me, welcome back to you, welcome one and all. I'm excited to be back. I have, I guess, some housekeeping to start with. I did take a break, as you know, I guess, if you're a regular listener, if you're listening to this from way in the future, i probably just skip all this because it doesn't really matter, but I, I had a lot going on. I kind of still have a lot going on. Spent a lot of time thinking about the podcast and the future of the podcast and what we're going to do. There's a lot of things I want to do to improve not just the quality of the podcast I want to I mean I always want to improve the quality of the podcast and I think I just with experience get better but I've I have thought about you know what works and what doesn't work and what I can work on and what I'm just going to have to learn to accept and live with and so I hope you know, I hope for a continuous improvement in that sense. I also had to think about improving hmm, how I fit it into my life. I think part of why it became such a struggle for me to, like, to put out weekly, regularly scheduled episodes during the summer is that I garden. I I got really into gardening this year. Do you guys know about gardening? It's fucking rad. Like, it's awesome. I... I can't keep myself out of my garden. Like there are so many times I'm living my life and and then I'm just walking out into my garden just to poke around. Like I didn't just come out 2 hours ago, but I want to see if there's new flowers, I want to see the bugs, I want to see everything. That also takes time, and I know I mentioned before, I do put my heart and soul into this podcast, which also ends up taking quite a bit of time and I have a life and a full-time job and a family and I end up with a bit of a time crunch. I love doing the podcast. I don't want to be stressed up to my eyeballs worrying about getting the podcast out every week. So please be advised that until further notice, this is not going to be coming out regularly scheduledly. Um... It's, I just, I don't think that's really going to work. My partner does like shift work. So sometimes he's on night shift and I have found even just over the last, well, however, since I've been doing this, those are generally good opportunities to get some podcasting done because it's usually quiet and nobody's bugging me and things like, not that my husband bugs me. You know what I mean? It's just quieter. Uh, I think that a lot of uh the work that I put into this I'm going to be doing I'm I'm just going to schedule it to be done on those night shift nights so uh it just means there's kind of maybe two or three nights together and then there's going to be probably a break of like a week where I don't have time to work on it so I don't know really what it's all going to look like or how it's going to work itself out but I I'm 99% sure that it's going to be a little bit more, eh, there's a word, I can never think of the word when I want it, you know, more, more mm, unscheduled, more, 
more random so random my podcast is so random uh yeah the other thing I am going to put out right out front is that one of the like honestly the most time consuming part of doing the podcast can often be editing so I'm going to try to just gut it out and not edit and uh or not not edit but I'm gonna try to record in such a way that I'm not making like a million edits where it takes a really long time I might not always have a chance to fully listen back through things so anyway if you hear something that's weird and you're like oh that's like I don't know not I don't want to hear about everything but if there's if there's some kind of criticism that you think would be constructive for me please let me know because I might not get the chance to listen back to it. I normally listen through every episode that I do as I edit, and I just don't know if time is going to allow for that. So thanks as always for your patience and your love and support. I'm happy to be back, and I think that I think things are going to get better around here. So I hope you stick around to experience that with me. So with all that being said... I'm sitting in a car outside a hospital (laughs) waiting. I have like two hours to kill. So uh, it's not a night shift night, I guess. But, you know, felt like this would be a time where I could do stuff um, or work on this. For some, it's so nice out. Like the t- it's that nice fall weather where it's like not too hot, not too cold. All you need is a light jacket. But for some reason, my car is about 800 degrees celsius right now so it's it's very hot i hope i don't melt also also i took the notes for this episode before i took the break from the podcast so i don't even know things are gonna be coming back to me as i'm reading i know i could have probably read this in advance but i didn't so get into it i don't know this episode which I took notes on a month ago, is Ricky Lake, we fight 24-7, dot, dot, dot. Why can't we get along? (laughs) Notice we had no exclamation mark in the title, but we did have a dot, dot, dot. And a a question mark. I mean, I'm not going to hate on a question mark. Questions are questions. A lot of punctuation, as always. Ricky is wearing a pale yellow power suit. It's a full fit. I don't like that shade of yellow I I didn't like that shade of yellow for a suit I have worn yellow I have a skin tone where yellow looks usually pretty good on me I mean I oh my gosh I'm probably wrong (laughs) but I would say I probably look best in like yellow or green as far as colors go so definitely green yeah I'm a yellow green girl so I can't hate a yellow outfit I'm not big on pastels, I guess. I don't know. I just... Ricky is so... She seems short. I don't. I guess you never know when people are on TV. But to me, she seems really short. And she just seemed really, like, swallowed up by this suit, I would say. I felt like it was the color. Maybe it was a suit. Ricky does a little intro, like... like these are so fake. <laughs> she sets them up. She's like... Families are supposed to love each other, but what happens when they say they fight all the time? I I guess they fight all the time. That's <laughs> what happens. We get that classic I've seen we've we've seen this before together on Ricky Lake. That old 
I tried to look up what it was called. I think it's called a brown stone. I didn't even say it with confidence. I started the self-doubt crept in as I was halfway through that word. Uh, I think it's a brownstone. It's those old, really nice houses that they don't build anymore. And if they do, I'm sure nobody can afford them. I don't know. They're all probably full of fucking asbestos or something anyway. But I think they're nice. (laughs) For me, they look nostalgic. And it's the top floor with the two windows in the attic. And then they've green screened onto the left hand window pane a lady like a mom grandma age shouting (laughs) shouting Jonathan Pellins I want you out of my damn house now don't come back in here I want you to get out of my life and out of my daughter's house because we don't want to be bothered with you anymore and please don't come back (laughs) fuck that's aggressive I, I this is the first time it's literally the first words out of her mouth so I, I don't mind dropping this in if there's one thing I do remember about this episode it's the name Jonathan Pellins because this lady only refers to him by his first and last name I have no idea why I've never met anyone who did that to anyone else I don't know if it's on purpose or if it's it's your son-in-law. It's this woman's son-in-law. Why is she full naming her son? I don't even... Today, I said my husband's full name. Not even full name. Just his fir- his full first name to him. And he was like, whoa. You never say that. <laughs> I was like, I know. I barely even... I don't know. It's just we're always... You know, there's only two of us. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> but to hear, like, I don't know. Jonathan Pellins. She said it so many times that although I was going into this and I was like, I forgot everything about this except for the name Jonathan Pellins. Very specific. So weird. And then now that she's done uh, screaming at us about Jonathan Pellins, or screaming at Jonathan Pellins, I guess, through the window. Second window, we get a younger looking guy in a vest and a tie. Must be Jonathan Pellins. <laughs> spoiler alert it is he says mom he says he calls her mom I don't call my parents-in-laws mom and dad and I definitely wouldn't if they only ever called me by my full fucking name but okay mom I cannot stand you I wish you stayed out of our business stay out of our life I hate you just stay away from us leave us alone I don't need your help your daughter doesn't need you stay away please I cannot stand you stay away from us period point blank and then the picture with the green screen in it shatters I can't make a shattering noise I gotta figure that out we now this goes into the Ricky like the Ricky Lake intro the original version not the postpartum version it's all jazzy and Ricky looks all (laughs) with her friends Please welcome Farah. I really talk about ruining a name. Farah Abrams. Did she know? Did she or did did? Oh my God! Did Farah Abrams or did she not ruin the name Farah for everyone? Because for me, I don't. I don't hear a Farah without thinking of Farah Abrams. Farah's very pretty. She has an outfit. This is not correct. I. I've kind of a sister wives thing actually I don't know it's like a 
uh, I wrote Afrikaans type outfit. It's, I, I do remember it being kind of like an 80s, 90s fashion. I don't like using the word fashion for cultural outfits, I guess. I mean, Farah, I will say, like, Farah is black, so it's not, I, I don't think it's cultural appropriation in that sense. I just, um, I don't know how to describe it. Like, it's, it's a big dress with an African-looking type print on it. Fuck, I'm sorry. Someone help me. By the way, I know I sound like an idiot when I say these things. It's not on purpose. It's just, sometimes I forget that where, where I grew up, the, was very monochromatic like not culturally diverse and sometimes I think I don't give myself enough slack for that like it's not I'm not purposely being an asshole but I also have to tell you I have very little resources to go on (laughs) I'm trying not to be an asshole so if someone wants to help out hit me up Farah Farah's gorgeous face is framed by very, very short hair with the little shiny, like, parallel finger curls. Parallel to the floor, kind of, if you know any horizontal finger curls. She looks gorgeous. I think you could probably have her in any hair and any outfit, and she'd look like a fucking model. I just, her face is so pretty. Ricky asks Farrah, what's going on with your family? Farrah says, well, Ricky, my family is so stupid stupid (laughs) hot start I like that including my husband at times we lived with them for a period of time we went from fighting over food to they got my dog stolen and then my brother-in-law pulled the knife on my mom where I was like I I think she misspoke I think maybe she got excited and there's some words out of order there I don't think her brother-in-law pulled a knife on her mom. At the very least, I don't think that's her husband's fault. <laughs> I don't, and I, um, I don't think that's what happened. I think the brother-in-law pulled out a knife on her husband. It's a bit of a death. That is a big escalation, Farrah. That's fair enough. Fighting over food till they got my dog stolen to my brother-in-law pulling a knife on my husband. Wow. Uh, they just argue about everything. So we're going to meet Jonathan and mom and they come out from opposite sides of the stage to stand at podiums that are pre-set up. There's really ominous, ominous music. Like, Judge Judy's not really serious, but almost that kind of like, do, 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 do. That's law and order. Fuck. I really tried to make it not law and order. You know what I mean? Like, the, like it's serious, serious type music, right? And now they get, they each get 10 seconds to talk. I don't know why, but Ricky says they will each get 10 seconds of uninterrupted talking. Minimum. Jonathan just repeats it. It sounds like Jonathan couldn't fill 10 seconds of talking, even him in the windows. Like I, I delivered that as he delivered that on the show. I promise he just, it sounds like there was somebody behind the camera with their finger, just like, keep going, keep going. And he's like, I don't like you. I hate you. Stay away from me. Like, it's just kind of the same thing. And that's basically kind of what we get here. He's like, he barely filled the other time. So for this, he's like, stay out of our business, Bev. 
get a grip, get your own life. Your daughter is mine now. Yikes. Respect me and you shall be respected. Don't meddle in business that is not yours. Your family is so fake. There's like buzzes out the timer. Now let's take a second to think about this. Spoiler alert. I shouldn't say this, but I don't know. I never know when to say my opinion. If I should let you guys kind of hear out the rest and throw it in later, I get too excited. So I'm just going to tell you now (laughs) what the sitch is. Bev, I think, is the main problem. Like, the mom, I think, is the the main, main problem. And by the time we get to the end of this, I don't think that's just, like, even in dispute. Jonathan, you're not helping. You're not helping. And you're not great. Like, you are not... You also suck. You're just not maybe as aggressively wrong as Bev is. But your daughter, her daughter's not yours now. I mean, she's not your, she, she's Bev's daughter. Are you going to take on the mom role from Bev as well? Or you think she's property? Like, it's not great. It's not great, Jonathan. And as much as Bev will prove to be pretty unreasonable, Jonathan is not helping himself. Like, it's just, he's just gas on a fire, this guy. Anyway, Bev gets her 10 seconds. Jonathan Pullins. (laughs) I cannot stand you. I wish you would get out of my daughter's life, and not only will I take her child, I'll take your other two. Give me a reason. Don't come back to my house. Don't ever come back, because I don't even want you around. No one likes you. (laughs) You really timed that out to 10 seconds. No one likes you is, I think, kind of that stupid level of burn that I love where it's like that's very funny if you're just I mean it's very mean and it would definitely hurt my feelings if I heard it but it's such a random so random it's so such a weird it's a very basic insult it's not fancy no one likes you (laughs) and yet it it really it really stings I think it would sting me so now they they both take a seat on opposite sides of Farah. They each take a seat on opposite sides of Farah. Ricky asks Jonathan how this happened. Jonathan says, This woman, you just can't catch no breaks with this woman. Me and Farah got married. She was on my back before we even got married. She said, You don't need to marry that man. You're my baby. He's no good for you. We got our little chat room stat card on Jonathan Pullins who's 24 years old. He works in construction and he lives in Ohio. Guess what? They all live in Ohio because they all live together. (laughs) So don't, don't worry about that. Um, 24 is very young. As much as I just said, John Nathan Pullins, you're being a shit disturber and you got to help yourself out. I, I understand maybe that's easier to say, uh, from where I am than from maybe how we all behaved at 24. Oh my God. I'm so sweaty. It's so hot in here, guys. All right, Ricky, again, I don't know, Ricky's Ricky's not right either. She's like, Beverly, I mean, he looks very respectable. He's wearing a tie. You know, a lot of people come on here and they don't wear ties. What's wrong with him? (laughs) Ricky, we got to set our bar higher. Like anybody can put on a fucking tie. That's, that's, he looks very respectable. You have literally heard him talk for 10 seconds. You timed it. So, 
10 seconds <laughs> and a tie. That's all it took you to win you over. Bev says he's not a guy. Don't remember. Maybe if I remembered, I'd remember, but I don't. He's not a guy. I think he is a guy. He provides for my daughter. Then why'd you say you hate him? Bev says, oh, sorry, I gotta move my foot. That's all right. Bev says, the thing of it is, is the way he got my daughter. This little narrative here, I do, I do get. I'm gonna paraphrase a bit, and also I'll let you know they we have her little chat room card, and she is 50 years old, registered nurse, Ohio. So, as Bev explains it, the impression that I get is, she's she says, you know, Pharaoh was in grade 12, I don't know, is that what you call it in the States? Grade 12, senior? I don't know. She was fixing to graduate high school, and all of a sudden, Jonathan Pullins moves in two houses down the street from us, and she's, he starts, he starts hollering, hollering at Farah. You know, when she's walking home from school. And now, now he's now he's inviting her over after school. Oh, now she's staying overnight at his house and going directly from there to school. And now she's pregnant and she's not going to graduate. <laughs> Bev, I hear ya. Like, if I, if I was a mom, I'd be fucking furious. Like, I get it. I absolutely understand your frustration. But also the way I don't know all of this it's just that sucks like that does suck I get it that's not what you wanted for your daughter but there are worse things I mean teenagers fall in love a lot they have sex a lot of times they get pregnant like it's not it's not unreasonable she didn't burn your house to the ground or like or because he told her to or you know like I, I just uh, I don't think it's like I don't know. I understand the frustration for sure. I do get that. That wasn't recent though. And now she has a baby and like, we gotta, we have to work on cutting the umbilical cord. I think is the problem. Um, so, oh, uh, oh, she says, I don't know. She says, he said, oh, she's Johnny's baby now instead of your baby. (laughs) She's not a baby. She's She's a mom now. Uh, I don't know. Ricky says, oh, it seems to me he's got to get used to the idea of you being around because you're not going anywhere. Thanks, Ricky. We know that. It's her mom. Bev agrees with that. What does Johnny think? Jonathan Pullins says, well, she got to go somewhere because she can't stick around with her nose in my business. An audience member does clarify for us. I wonder if it was on purpose. I feel like it was kind of because they were going to attack Jonathan and then it sort of just fizzled, but they were like, well, do you remember the story I just said where she was like going to school and Jonathan Pullins owned a house <laughs> like two doors down? Well, there were people who were like, how old were you? How old? How old was, how old was everyone? Can we get some ages on this? So when they hooked up, I guess, or got, when Jonathan Pullins quote, got her, Jonathan Pullins was 22, and Pharaoh was 19, and they've been married for a year and a half. It's not great. I mean, it's not great, but it's not... I don't think it's, like, a chargeable offense. 
nobody, even Bev doesn't seem to make any kind of like pedophilia allegations. So I don't think that is it. I, I mean, if they were 19 and 22, I don't, oh no, how old is Farah? I don't know. It's confusing, but I, uh, and then she has a baby. Yeah, she was probably 18. And he was, sounds like he was maybe 22. It's not unreasonable. As long as she was 18, I'm fine with it. (laughs) So good. Ricky says, okay, so it's been like a year and a half of hell with Beverly around. And Jonathan Pose is like, hell, oh no, no, that's, that's not the word, man. It's worse than that. And I was like, what's worse than hell? Like, by definition, I think it's the worst. And, and Ricky would ask, like, what is the word? And Jonathan Pullen says, well, I can't describe it. Let's just stick with hell then. You know what I mean? I don't know. Oh, that was my seatbelt. Sorry. Ricky digs in to kind of try to find an issue. Have you guys heard? Well, okay. We had the issue of like, you know, kind of getting her off track with her school. That's an issue. But, you know, other than that, like, Ricky's really, like, she's like, so what's the problem? Like, and she kind of asks slash tells Bev that Bev was offended because Jonathan didn't ask her permission to get married. And then Bev clarifies, I guess. (laughs) It doesn't sound like it is her, it doesn't sound like it's about the permission to get married because she says that, well, Farah asked her, Oh, but see, that's gross too. Cause then, so at the time, okay. So Pharaoh wasn't 18 cause she was 17, but it was a year and a half ago. So, oh my God, it's so confusing. Jonathan was 22 now. So he must've been 20 and she was 17. Not great. Not, not unforeseeable. Uh, anyway, so I guess, so Pharaoh was 17 And Bev says that that means that in their state, she didn't have to sign the papers. Uh, But she did sign the papers because Pharaoh's in love and it's her life. So whatever. (laughs) And then she says, well, hey, in the olden olden days, people at 17 had five or six kids. Oh, I feel like there's a lot to unpack there. I have a couple questions. First of all, why does paperwork exist to be signed if you don't need to sign it? Like, I just brought my husband for surgery. That's why I'm hanging out at the hospital. And he had to sign some consent things. I'm not his guardian, obviously, so I didn't need to sign the papers. And thus, no one presented me with papers to sign. And if I would have asked to sign papers, I don't know what they would have given me because my signature was not required for this. So I I don't know what Bev signed, but okay. Also, I don't think five or six kids at 17 is a lot. I don't remember. I don't, I think, I think sometimes we twist it in our minds. First of all, uh, for, I I don't, I think, well, I think slash no without really finding a paper, but I'm, I'm pretty confident that at this point we can say we know that girls now in this year, whatever, 2023, like overall, statistically, the average age of getting your first period has gone down since the olden days. So 
maybe now girls get their periods at 10, but I don't think a lot of 10-year-olds, even 100 or 200 years ago, had kids or, like, were expected to get pregnant. Because I, I don't think... I think they always kind of went by when you first menstruate, and I, I, I just don't... I think it was probably more common for that to be, like, 13, 14, maybe even 15 in the older days. Um, that's... Again, I'm not going to do any research to back that up. So just, uh, we're just going to go with it. Even still, if, (laughs) okay, first of all, you're, oh my God. Okay. A 10, like your body is just not, even if you're having a period, it doesn't mean that your body is physically capable of having kids. Let's, let's give Bev the benefit of the doubt and say that somebody got married and started having kids at 12 and put out a kid a year maybe they would have five kids, but that's aggressive. And even, again, I just want to kind of put out there that I don't think, again, as much as we maybe want to think certain things about, you know, the days of yore, what happened hundreds of years before any of us were born, I do know enough of history that, like, maybe I can think of one um, story particularly was it the devils of Ludon? There was like, it was in France. It was a long time ago. And the main guy, uh, it's gross. I'm not saying people were good back then either. It's just, here's the thing. He waited for his friend's daughter to get her period. And then like had sex with her right away and got her pregnant and didn't marry her. And I feel like even in that story, people around were like, that's pretty young like I don't think just because some people did and it wasn't illegal I don't think that means that everybody was like yeah let's all uh let's let's all get in there right away when we can at 12 like I I, we don't know what it was like because we weren't there but I think that's a convenient thing to tell yourself Bev (laughs) to make it okay in your own head I don't know if that's real well, um, Ricky's like, okay, well, you, you couldn't have been that big a big deal then, because you signed the paper. Ferris says that, too. And Ferris's like, yeah, and then once I got out of the house and didn't have to depend on her anymore, now she acts like it's a problem. And Bev's like, well, I didn't want you to be miserable, you know, walking around pregnant without a name. So, you know, hey, what I can do? What can I do? And he's like, okay, so that's that's kind of a different thing then now, right? It's just, it's about appearances. You didn't want your daughter to be an unwed mother even if they were still together so they got married okay I don't know whatever uh Bev oh an audience member says so Bev as long as Jonathan's taking care of your daughter and his children a lot there's a lot of men out there that don't that's all that matters and you should be happy for that that's my problem with Jonathan Pullins is that it sounds like he's kind of doing the bare minimum as a husband and everyone's like he's not even abandoning his wife how fucking dare you come for him and his um worthiness as a husband or what he's contributing he could have ditched her so long ago with a baby and he didn't even do that he feeds their baby and buys diapers and everything (laughs) that that's not good that's just basic but for the 90s I guess I've seen enough pieces of shit on Sally Jesse Raphael to understand that maybe people were just generally shittier in the 90s so maybe that was a more appropriate bar then um Ricky when we go into commercials she teases us that there's more to this story with the brother-in-law 
No shit, because he pulled the knife. It's so hot in here, guys. And I really, part of this was that I wanted to try <laughs> to kind of sell, not, I don't, mm, I want to do less self-editing as I'm talking, but I did want to try to be more breezy and get through these things faster, and I feel like already failed so hard. Anyway, God, it's hot. Uh, okay, so we have another quote to some jazzy music. It's not the last time I watched, or last time I recapped a Ricky, I think it was like a Golden Girls thing. I don't even remember what those quotes are about, but this is like a jazzy music with a quote on it. I guess they're about family. Be kind to your mother-in-law, and if necessary, pay for her board at some good hotel by Josh Billings, American humorist. Um, I'd like to put my name in the queue to be a Canadian humorist. Is that a job? I want that job. So if you're recruiting for Canadian humorist, please let me know. (laughs) I'll apply. I'll send you a resume with jokes. Ricky asked Jonathan about his sister-in-law and her husband. Guess what? He doesn't like them. Says he can't stand them. They get on his nerves, especially the brother-in-law. I could just break his neck. First death threat of the episode. But it's okay, because it's Ricky. So she reminds him not to throw hands. We talk with our mouths, not with our hands. Like a fucking bitch. So, I'm sorry. I I understand it's good. Like, I'm glad that nobody's getting hurt. But, like, fuck off, Ricky. We're not five. Here come, out to ominous music, Tony and Hattie. Hattie is wearing, like, a giant black graphic tee with weirdly masculine black pants. And the T had some kind of picture on it. I don't know if it was, like, making a point. Like, I just, I was, it seemed like when she sat down, she really made it, like, visible. Like, purposely visible so that we wouldn't miss it. And then I was like, is that for a reason? Because I don't know what's on your shirt. It's got, like, a walkie-talkie on it. And it says, Driving Park Crime Patrol. Did I look it up? I did not. Ricky asks Tony and Hattie, what the fuck is going on, guys? Hattie's... Man, see, Jonathan, it'll never work. Them being married and being around, it'll never work. That's not a problem. It's not the problem. Okay. Ricky asks, like, okay, what's wrong with Jonathan? (laughs) The audience backs her up with some supportive for Jonathan applause. Ricky, what's wrong with Jonathan is that he continuously refers to Farah as if she's his property. And it seems like he thinks he deserves a Gold Star Father of the Year award for just, again, providing for the child he created. So I don't know if I'm going to applaud for Jonathan. Hattie says, well, looks can be deceiving. Oh, you mean anybody could put on a tie? That's so weird. (laughs) I thought they only gave those out to good people. Oh, well. Uh, he thinks he's all that. He's bossy. I do believe he's bossy. I want to tell him to keep his distance from the house. We don't ever want to be bothered with, you know, Farah. It's like, we don't even come to your house. <laughs> you call us to start stuff. As soon as something goes missing, they they call me and they're like, did Johnny take this? Did Johnny eat this? <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? Like, no, we're at our house. John's like, I have my, sorry, Jonathan Pullins is like, that's why this episode is so fucking long. Cause I keep saying Jonathan Pullins. Jonathan says he doesn't want to go to their their house. He has his own house and his own food. And he's like, why would I want to go over there and deal with all this bullshit? Like, as soon as you step in the door, they're like, why are you at my house? Get out of my house. Why are you on my phone? That's my phone. (laughs) I also believe that. 
Ricky asks John what he wants to say to the brother and sister-in-law. And John's like, but oh, that's my wife. That's your son. But you can't have her. Oh, to the mom, I guess. it's No, that's your son. What? Daughter? Whatever. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> he says, maybe this is what, this is just even weirder and weirder. That's my wife. You can't have her. She's married to me. That's property of me. Jonathan Pullins. It's like, I wish I didn't know your name. Why do people keep shoving it down our throats? Also, again, not your property, human being. Uh, but I actually have a feeling that maybe maybe it's different to be in studio because I suspect that the, I, it sounded like the audience started cheering for him before he said the property part. <laughs> I don't think they heard him and I wonder if they would cheer so hard if they had heard that part. Bev says, well, she was my daughter long before she was your wife. And like I said, if I have to, I'll take her and your kid and your other kids too. This is where it's like Bev is being, (laughs) why, why do you think, how, how you're going to go to the court and be like, (laughs) I should have custody of these two children that I'm not biologically related to because fuck my (laughs) son-in-law. Like, see how that goes, Bev. I feel like, no, no. Well, Jonathan's like, listen, here's, if this is what it is. And again, this is another thing I believe. If this doesn't end today, I'm going to pack my wife and kids up and you'll never see us again. Yeah, probably. I mean, if they live two houses away, I think it's just probably that's the problem. I don't know if they'll never see him again. I, I do think maybe they need some space. Ricky is in the audience standing next to Al Bundy in a 49ers sweater jersey jacket thing with aviators on indoors. But she's not talking to him yet, so he's just standing there like a fucking derpy idiot. (laughs) Says she still can't understand what the issue is that's so major that Bev is going to take children that she's not even biologically related to. And Bev is just, again, he's like, or she's like, he's arrogant, he's better. That's not a reason to take someone's children. There's a lot of assholes in the world, Bev. We don't take everybody's fucking kids. Like, so unreasonable. And then she starts on this other thing that's also... Uh, it just gets it just gets more and more unreasonable as we go, guys. She's like, if I buy my daughter roses, he goes out and buys her expensive flowers. <laughs> what are flowers? <laughs> or, like, what are roses? Are roses not expensive? What flowers is he buying that are more expensive than roses? Just be happy that he bought your daughter flowers. Like, the fuck? Ricky asks if Bev feels like she's competing with John for the love of Farah, And Bev says yes. And now... Al Bundy gets his chance at the mic. And Ricky's standing next to him, literally looking like she wants to kill herself. Like, she couldn't look any sadder or any more depressed. She's just staring into middle distance. <laughs> like, fuck, I hate my job. Been there. <laughs> um, so Al Bundy says, I just want to say, Mom, you should let these two stay together because they look like they're a happy couple. They enjoy each other. But you, fella, which is to the brother-in-law, you're too late to fight. You're too thin to win. That's a big man right there. <laughs> People love that. That really slapped with the audience. Tony said, like, there's a lot of cheering and noise and stuff, but through that, Tony breaks through to say, yeah, that's why I was not going to fight him. That's why I pulled a knife on him. Obviously. <laughs> like, Ricky's like, wait, what the fuck happened with a knife? And Tony's like, well, it started over a dog. 
Jonathan Pullen says, we had my dog stolen. Dog thief. <laughs> Jesus. What is this family? I want this family to get a reality show. This, If they don't move and we don't get cameras in there for a reality show, like, what is what is this even for? Uh, Ricky's like, Tony, did you steal his dog? Tony's like, no, I did not. I don't know who stole the dog. Tony is 26 years old and he's a cook in Ohio. That added up for me. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. He looked like the kind of person who would be a cook. Not a chef, by the way. Not a chef. A cook. I think he's probably like a line cook. No shade on line cooks. He just had that look about him. The people I bought the dog from came back. Oh, this is Jonathan Pullins. I, the people I bought the dog from came back and took him from me. And he asked him, do we set him outside so they could get him? It sounded more like he helped somebody else steal their dog. And I don't know if it's stealing, because I don't know if this was originally their dog. Who, I don't, we don't get enough of this dog story to fucking understand. But then Tony's like, well, the reason I set him outside, because he was not going to stay in that darn house while Hattie and me were having our wedding on February the 14th. <laughs> I can't shit on anyone for getting married on February 14th, because my parents got married on February 14th. Um... So I'll just leave that there. I just, again, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a half story where it was like, what's, why can't the dog be in the house for your, you got married or was it an anniversary he meant or just Valentine's day? Like, I don't know. Ricky looks at them with the most furrowed brow, trying to figure out what the fuck everyone is talking about. Just like all of us are. John says, well, get this. I bought a big entertainment system set up. And then the next day, they went out and bought a big screen TV. <laughs> and then Tony yells that it was because Mama... He's like, no, the reason why we got a big screen TV is because Mama wanted a big screen TV. That's why. <laughs> like, okay. If Tony does meth, that wouldn't surprise me. We had a lot of overlapping chatter. And then Ricky's like, we are literally fighting about nothing. Like, we're fighting about who got the big screen TV first. Like, you guys need to pick your fucking battles, guys. And Bev's like, no, that's not it at all. You know what? I went out and bought myself a freezer. And Ricky's like, oh, and, and what? Let me guess. He went out and, and bought a freezer too? Ugh, that would make me so mad. <laughs> like, she's joking. It's like, yeah, what is any of this? Maybe they needed a new... <sighs> it's a weird flex to buy a new freezer. An audience member says, what is the price excuse me like she excuses I think that was her she excuses me like people are talking she's like excuse me what is the price you all are gonna have to pay to get rid of that side of the family what's gonna be the result oh I don't even care about this John says there's no getting along with them they're like the Adams family Morticia Gormez <laughs> them she got a big laugh from the audience I don't know I think it was just a joke and not I don't think it they heard the Gormez of it but no. Let me tell you how low they went. They got my car repossessed. And I was like, how though? Unless they co-signed for it. Like, how? I can't, I don't think you can call the, I don't think anybody can just call the bank and be like, take their car. Like, what the fuck? Bev says adamantly, she's like, that's bullshit. I, that's my daughter's primary mode of transportation she has an infant i would never take her car that's ridiculous like i I wouldn't fuck her over like that 
And then John says, that hot young person right there had my car taken to the brother-in-law? That hot young person is a... (laughs) That's weird. Tony's like, yeah, that's right. I did that. (laughs) I'm not going to sit there and let somebody dog my wife. It would have made more sense to me if Bev had had the car taken away because I would make sense that she would have had to co-sign for it. But how the brother-in-law got this guy's car taken away is a real mystery to me. I'm so sorry, guys. I had to put my air conditioning on because I was going to die, but I actually can't podcast if I'm dead. So I am in a hospital, so that's good, I guess. (laughs) They could resuscitate me, but I'm 100% sure you're going to be able to hear that. And I apologize. I will turn it off. ESAP. Uh, Ricky waves her hand because somebody in the audience wants to talk and she says, (laughs) she waves her hand and she's like, okay, okay guys, Uncle Fester is speaking, which I was like, I guess that was because of the Morticia Adams thing, but it's kind of rude to call someone Uncle Fester. And the person did not look like Uncle Fester. I didn't take a note on what they looked like, but I'm pretty sure it was like a a young hot chick. (laughs) So rude. Uh, excuse me, Fair, but Fair, you haven't said much of anything so far. Where do you all live? Do you live close to each other? <laughs> it's like two houses away, bitch. Pay attention. We've been over this. Um, it's too close. Farah explains, like, she's like, well, I can't say anything, because if I say something nice about either side, then I'll be choosing that side, and then it'll be a whole thing. So Ricky asks Farah why she came here today. What does she want to accomplish? And Farrah basically reiterates, like, as much as Jonathan Pollins is kind of a dickhead, I think, jackass, um, I, I think they do talk about this. Like, I don't think, I, I think she's probably is on his side. Like, she's, she says basically the same thing anyway. So she's like, listen, you guys have to get along or we're going to move away because we can't live like this. We feuding. People calling the cops and all that crazy stuff. That's crazy. And then, this is kind of sad. I feel bad for Farah. I wish she would have had a chance to, like, graduate, honestly, and get away. Because I think that, I mean, I don't know. Her life would have definitely been different, for sure. But, anyway. uh, She says she feels like it's her fault. Which it's not. But she feels that way. Because, quote, I was stuck up under you for 18 years. Which is Bev. And then all of a sudden I moved and left without even giving you time to get unadjusted to me. Farah, that's not your fault. Like, (laughs) okay. Anyway, Bev's like, that's right. And and you went to him, or like, to get unadjusted (laughs) to him. Farah's like, but mama, it's my life. And Bev thinks they were too young. Oh my fucking God. My car makes a weird noise. Do you guys hear that? Because when we took it to get it fixed at the car thing, it didn't make a noise and they wouldn't fix it because there was no noise. So don't worry because if you hear a noise that sounds like super annoying clicking, you're not hearing it according to Honda service. (laughs) Fuck. Me. (sighs) I love you guys. Thanks for listening if you've gotten this far. And I do apologize about this. I should stop apologizing. Guys, I'm sorry for apologizing. Canadian, I can't help it. Uh, Bev's like, I know, you're too young. You're just, you're too young. And Farrah's like, but it's my life. Listen, if I made a mistake, I didn't make a mistake. He takes care of me. I have a beautiful baby. 
I got two other kids, which are like Jonathan's other kids. We're not wanting for anything. And Bev's like, and I'm gonna get them the first chance I get. <laughs> no, nobody liked that. Soft booing from the audience. Well deserved. Why? Like your daughter's like, we're fine. If I made a mistake, I will take care of it. But it's not that way. He takes good care of me and the kids. It's not. We don't have a problem. <laughs> Bev responds with, I'm gonna take all the fucking kids. <laughs> Even ones I'm not related to. Yikes. That is the problem. Jonathan, I don't know, gives himself a gold star, I guess, for having a job and taking care of his wife and kids. Uh, he busts his ass. Uh, Ricky says she'll have someone come out later that can maybe help them. On the way... To commercial, we see the next guest backstage, and her look is alarming because she has very frizzy hair, no bang, it's short, but it's like teased up into a ball of frizz on her head. It is the exact color of the bricks that are behind her, which is very confusing visually to look at. Like, you have to really look at it to figure out what's hair and what's brick and why. Her eyebrows are way too dark. Like her, okay, I just said her hair is brick red, right? Her eyebrows were super dark. And I think she might actually be pretty if she made every different styling choice. <laughs> like any other styling choice other than all the ones that she's made. Because it's really hard to see it through all this frizz that I'm looking at. The commercial quote with jazzy music we get is, I can't help detesting my relations. I suppose it comes from the fact that none of us can stand other people having the same faults as ourselves. That's by Oscar Wilde. That's probably true. Part of the set, I just wanted you to, I just noticed this, is a Ricky Lake Street sign. I'm sorry, a Ricky Lake Street street sign. And we're back with Tanya and her frizzy, frizzy problems. Ricky asks Tanya what's been going on with her mother and her aunt. Tanya is like, oh, it's a constant battle between these two. Who's a better parent? My mom's my mom. My Aunt Robin's my Aunt Robin. But I have to give my aunt more credit than my mother. Uh, her little chat room card is 17 years old. Student, West Virginia. Ricky is trying to get a pulse on this. Like She's like, so you feel like they're constantly vying for your attention. They're trying to one-up each other. And Tanya's like, yeah, it's like one thinks they're better than the other. So let's meet Mom and Robin. Up to the podiums they walk. Robin says, I'm just angry at you because you never let me in. Things that happened over the years with Tanya and Mom and me and the family, I just wish it would get better. Bzzz. She must have been talking slow because I feel like Jonathan Pullen's got a lot of shit out. <laughs> a lot more words out. The moms, we don't know her name yet, but Mom says, well, my life is more private. I feel like what happens between me and Tanya is between us. I don't like people interfering, and I feel like you interfere. Bzzz. Slow talkers, these two. Both Mom and Robin do look like sisters and moms of the 90s. we got, like, turtlenecks. There's hair that looks like it took a lot of effort, but looks terrible. <laughs> but not for lack of effort. Uh, they look well put together, just very dated looks, maybe. Ricky, I'm glad we, I'm glad we got rid of turtlenecks. If we, if we lived in a society where people told me turtlenecks were fashionable, I would be unfashionable, I guess. I would wear probably no shirt before I'd wear a turtleneck. I remember being a kid and they'd put turtlenecks on me and I just feel like I'm being choked out all day. I 
I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, I'm glad that's not fashionable anymore. Um, anyway, Ricky says, well, I noticed that Brenda, that must be her name, Brenda, uh, said that she doesn't want to let you in, but your family, how does that make you feel? Robin's like, I'm mad. Honestly, out of these two, I feel like this is a sister's problem and Tanya's maybe just kind of, mm, the bone that they're fighting over. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, like she's kind of the, the center of their argument, but it seems like it seems like sisters' problems that... I don't have any siblings, so I wouldn't know. But it just seems like probably there was a lot of friction when they were kids. And the friction continued into adulthood. And it just never was really... It doesn't sound like it was ever a good relationship. Not horrible, but just not good. Um, but... Okay, so Robin says, I am mad. There's no getting around me being mad because of Tanya. And how she says she wants it to be private, but say two months ago she called me and said I need Tanya to come live with you. So how can I not be involved in someone's life if I am involved? I'm there. And Robin's little chat thing says she's 36 years old and, and a hairstylist. And I was like, so you don't have an excuse for your hair. <laughs> I know it was the fashion of the time. Ricky reveals that they live basically next door to each other. It sounds like there's a hill. I feel like we hear, hear a lot about up he'll go down the hill to see whatever they live close to each other it's is that going to be the common thread in all these stories because we just need more space uh so they live next door to each other and they're sisters and they don't speak and brenda's like well that's probably the problem if i tell tanya no then it's down over the hill she would go you know first it was my mother she'd go to then after she died it was my father now robin lives in that house so now it's that Ricky clarifies, she's like, so it's like Tanya has two moms then, like, and even Ricky's like, I did the same thing when I was kids, we're all, we were all kids once, okay, dad says no, so you go and ask your mom, and hopefully she'll say yes, like, we all <laughs> try to manipulate the adults in our life as kids to get to do what we want, that's pretty normal, um, Brenda's like, it was convenient, though, <laughs> yeah, I fucking bet it was, how convenient is it now, Brenda? Uh, we find out Brenda and Robin are like three years apart. Ricky says, well, hopefully this is a good opportunity to sit down talk this out. Ask Tanya why she's here. Tanya's like, why can't they just get along? They're always like, they're so obsessed with each other. They just talk about each other constantly. One says the other one's crazy. And then the other one says the other one's crazy. And she's like, I'll admit they're both crazy, <laughs> but we don't need this in our lives. Ricky points out that within the last four minutes or so, Robin was crying. So she must be devastated not to be close to her sister. Robin says she is. And I don't know. I guess she gets kind of an opportunity to talk to her sister. She's like, she has friends that were my friends. And then my friends call me and tell me about my own sister, which is really weird. Like, they, like I would rather hear it from my sister, I guess, and not from our mutual friends which were originally my friends. And Ricky's like, tell her. Don't tell me. I don't fucking know. <laughs> Robin's like, oh, God, who cares? It's some fucking trip to Orlando that she didn't find out that Robin was going to Orlando from Robin. She found about it from some guy named Kurt. You called Kurt and other people. You never involved me in your life. Brenda's like, well, I moved. <laughs> I guess they don't live. So now it's more difficult for us to talk. There's, like, long-distance rates. <laughs> Oh, life was hard before a eh? long distance. Jesus. 
you know, our phone bills are high. When she calls me at work, I can't always talk. And Ricky's like, Tanya's shaking her head. No, she doesn't buy this excuse. Isn't this a good time, though, to communicate? Do you love your sister? Brenda's like, yeah, there's no hate or, like, dislike. She's, we're just different. She's more spontaneous. Ricky's like, you have a lot in common. You both love Tanya. You're not children. You're women. Be there for Tanya. It must be hard for her to watch you guys fight because she loves you both. Brenda's like, I think Robin will let her think, do things that I don't. You know, when I say no. And Robin says she thinks she's the more strict one. It probably just depends on the situation. Tanya's like, but when I live with Robin, Robin controls me, not you. And you agree. I don't know. Robin says that Brenda bought her a new car. She'll be gone for three days. I haven't heard from her. That sounds like a problem. Can we talk about that? (laughs) It's not good. Well, you might know where she is because you bought her a cellular phone. So she can call you and tell you where she's at. Uh, who cares? Brenda's 38 years old and she works in human resources. Oh, I bet she's such a fucking bitch to Robin because Robin's quote only a hairstylist and Brenda feels like she's corporate because <laughs> she's in HR. I, I don't know that. They didn't say that, but like, I'm pretty sure they said that. Ricky says, I don't know. She tries to clarify, I guess for Tanya, like, okay, so like, so is Robin more of a mom to you or like she's more of a authority figure than your mom mom uh Tony's like I don't know it goes both ways if I live with Robin she tells me what to do it's like different discipline I guess an audience member I'm I've written Feruza Balk and I would have no idea who that was except for I also wrote aka Nancy from the craft says I just want to say I feel bad for Tanya she's the one losing here you gotta do it for Tanya Brenda's like, well, I think she likes to be where the excitement is, and if Robin's doing something, that's where the fun is. I'm getting older. I'm not as excited. It's like, you're 38, bitch. Calm down. Like, if that's where we are at 38, Jesus Christ, drive off a bridge. That's not good. It's just like, there's kids. Robin has three children. Tanya likes spending time with the kids. It sounds like the kids are, like, a lot younger than Tanya. Um, once again, Ricky is standing next to an audience member contemplating life I guess or her how she got where she is the audience person is like oh I was just gonna ask you actually if you had any kids if you discipline them the same way and Robin's like well my kids are five seven and ten so no because they're much different ages Ricky's like yeah that's obviously different so there's your answer does this change things for you um what do you think it's just stupid eh and the audience is like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like not anger. It's just like a miscommunication type of deal. <laughs> Brenda says, she hasn't liked me since I've been a kid. And the audience is like, oh, okay, well, that's different. Like, now she's saying something that's deep. So now you, like, really need to talk. <laughs> Glad that was the audience member, not Ricky. Uh, Robin says, well, I know sisters that are the best of friends, and you don't even talk to me. And her eyes pop out. And she gets a bit of a... Like, half a tongue popped out there, too. You don't even talk to me. Wow. Ricky hopes... I feel like I could do a better tongue pop than that. And normally I'm trying not to pop my tongue on the podcast. And I go... What do you want? Ricky, Ricky hopes they'll get to the bottom of this later. <laughs> yeah, I hope so, too. Uh, she, she throws it to commercial. And her quote for this commercial is... 
The family is the place where the most ridiculous and least respectable things in the world go on. That's by Ugo Betti, Betti, Italian playwright. Oh, I really thought this was over, but I knew that it wasn't. Now let's meet Melinda, who has two feuding daughters. Melinda is in a full dashiki, with, including the headpiece, and she looks tired. Like, she just looks tired. She looks exhausted. She looks like she walked here. I think it says... That's bad. I want to say they're from Chicago. I don't even know that, but I feel like she walked here from wherever she was. Um... Ricky's like, how do your daughters fight these days? And Melinda says, about everything. Telephone, hitting each other, boyfriends, you name it. I'm fed up with it. She looks fed up with it. Just exhausted. Ricky says, well, these two are just too combustible to be trusted at the podium. (laughs) What? More combustible than Jonathan Pullins and his brother-in-law with a knife? All right. So they're going to bring them out and just let them hash it out with their words, not with their hands. Here come Maria and Marietta. And I was like, what is wrong with you, Melinda? (laughs) You named your daughters Maria and Marietta? Fuck you. Like, I... No, don't do that. There's your problem. (laughs) That's where the problem starts. Maria is the younger one. She's giving me Gabrielle Union. She looks amazing. Marietta is larger and wearing a shirt in literally the same print as her mother's dashiki ensemble. Now, I'm again, I'm not trying to be an asshole. Here's the thing. When I first saw Marietta's look, I, my, my initial gut reaction, I was like, she looks like she's doing laundry at a hotel. Like, for a... She looks like she works for, I don't know, Delta. That's hotels, right? Is that airplanes? Do they do both? Oh, my God. Well, who even cares? The Radisson. She looks like she works for the Radisson, but you'd never see her. She is, like, in the basement doing laundry. And at first I was like, oh, no, like, what bias am I bringing into this? And then I was like, no, I don't think it's that. It's, like, it's the cut of the shirt and the color of the shirt. And she's got her hair. Is this someone else that I'm thinking about? Did I already say this on a different podcast? That's the problem with podcasting a month out. She did look, she was more masculine. And if she had, I, again, I, I feel like she also had that look, but I think it was, it was the style of the shirt. And it was the fact that she had her hair pulled tight back in a bun. It just gave me laundry worker vibes. I did laundry as a job. So <laughs> I see that means I can't be offensive for saying that about other people, right? It's literally a job that I had. It's just, I don't know. That was what her look was giving me. Laundry room realness. I don't even want, I don't care. Like, (laughs) whatever. It's stupid. Like, here's what happens. Let me sum up. I'm going to skip, I mean, mostly for time, but like, I'm going to skip a whole bunch of shit here and just kind of Cole's notes this part, mostly because it's really stupid. Um, sorry for the pop. (laughs) Uh, they're sisters. (laughs) Marietta's older and Marietta, fully verbalizes and communicates that she feels that when their mom's not at home she's in charge and Maria should have to do everything that Marietta tells her to do and Maria's like you're not my mom you're my older sister like yes I do have to listen to you to an extent but not to the same level that I would listen to my own mother because you're my sister not my mother and I'm 17 so I don't need like a fucking babysitter and uh, whatever. Melinda is like, I just want them to shut up. 
stop. Whatever. Somebody does bring up at one point. They're like, Marietta, why don't you leave? Like, again, this is a, it's a weird thing. The difference between 30 years ago and now is that people definitely at some point in here are like, why do you still live at home at 21 years old? You should move out. Like, she's fully takes, like, she says it in, I felt, I felt like a good way. Like, she was like, well, you know, I, uh haven't done what I needed to do to like get there in my life that's on me but like yeah and and then it comes down to like okay so if your mom wants you to stop fighting and you're 21 you live with your mom then you have to stop fighting or you have to find your own place like that those are your choices Marietta stop being a bitch like this one I'm gonna say Marietta's problem uh maybe a little bit Melinda because as the parent I I do feel like she should be the one who's kind of responsible for this but like or at least to give them guidance on how to you know uh, navigate this, but it seems like she's working hard. I think, I want to say she's a nurse or something. They are from Chicago, Chicago, Illinois. Um, I think she's, I think Melinda's tired and I understand, like, you have to pay the bills. You can't just skip work to fucking try to figure shit out like this. Um, somebody at one point in there was, like, he's kind of cute, but he goes to ask a question. What is it? This is kind of... The guy himself was kind of a Bernie Mac ripoff, right? In this big red jacket. He had a, a genial quality to him, I guess. And Ricky's like, tell me that didn't enter... Oh, sorry. Ugh, see, I try to skip parts and then I skip parts. That's the problem. Blah, 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 dancing, I guess. They're like... <laughs> something about when friends come over, when guys come over. And Maria's like, Marietta's always like dancing for them. And then... I don't know. It's like Maria taught... Marietta had a dance, I guess, at some point, but they're like, and Marietta's like, I'm just entertaining our guests. <laughs> like, I, that's weird. Like, I don't think they want you dancing at them as entertainment, but okay. So Ricky invites Marietta to entertain us and, uh, you know, come on, come on, show us how you do it. And then they drop a sick beat and <laughs> Marietta dances. It's kind of like a popping, locking, crunking kind of thing. It's kind of fine for a club, I guess. It'd be weird if, it'd be weird if I went to my friend's house at 17 and her older sister was like, check out these moves, <laughs> pull this out. That'd be weird. But anyway, um, when Ricky's standing there and she's like to this Bernie Mac guy and she's like, tell me that didn't entertain you. Were you entertained? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And Ricky's like, fucking entertain me. I thought it was great. Okay. What's your comment? You know, you're not supposed to have gum right now, right? <laughs> And he, like, cutely, like, he has kind of a bashful look. He's like, oh, and I think he swallows it. And then he asks a question. This guy seems, like, really stoned. <laughs> That's it. I don't even know what they're on about. He, it was, I don't know. Who cares? Uh, uh siblings, you should just be friends, because, uh, that's what siblings are. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Who cares? They're sisters. So they fight because they're sisters. <laughs> and Marietta said outright that she's going to boss Maria around. And 17, you can't really expect someone to just take that. There's an airplane going on right now. I'm sorry. Sorry for saying sorry. Uh, there is a guy in the audience, by the way, who's sitting next to the aisle wearing, like, an aggressive New York Rangers jersey. <laughs> it's very aggressive. This quote is weird. It's, we must be the worst family in town. Maybe we should move to a larger community. Just a quote by Bart Simpson. Zing. Kachan. 
Kachan? Kachan. And Lachelle are back. Would you rather be named as siblings Kachan and Lachelle or Maria and Marietta? That's a tough, <laughs> that's a tough choice. Uh, Lachelle... Well, I don't know where I got cut off. Uh, my husband's surgery went great. <laughs> so everyone put your mind... As if I would put this out if it hadn't gone great. Anyway, Kachan and Lachelle. Really, really sorry, guys. But Lachelle has a... I would... I, <laughs> I've, I've described it as a visible lisp. But, like, if I could not hear her just by seeing how her mouth is moving, I would know that she had a lisp. And she kind of looks like Clea Duval. She's got a really weird, like, mullet haircut. I know mullets are back. I didn't... I'm never going to be here for a mullet. I, I guess. Maybe very specifically Ace Fanning. Sure. But, like, this this wasn't a cute mullet. Uh, they're on about Lachelle... This was when they were on the first time, I guess. So, um, oh, the, yeah. This is the clip from when they were originally on. Um, they were previous guests, I guess. So... That was a family issue, but honestly, it was, seems like it was more about Lachelle neglecting her kids. And Kachan was like, you gotta fix your life or I'm gonna call CPS if you fucking figure this out. I think the weird thing about the name Kachan is that it makes me think of Chris Kattan. And then, isn't there like Chris Chan? Isn't that the murderer person who killed their mom? I could be wrong. I, this is weird. I just, I don't know. I don't, it's not for me. Now they're back on the show and everything's different and they're here to give us their opinion i'm sorry kachan was the one who's now dressed like she's going to work at a hotel everything i said before all of that is true but take it off of marietta who's wearing a matching print as her mom's dashiki and put that on uh whatever lachelle or kachan kachan uh, Lachelle says when she watched herself back, she realized how immature and stupid she was being, and then she turned it all around. Uh, so Ricky gives them a chance to give advice to the people on the show today as people who, like, what experience do they have with this? Like, that was a very specific, like, I don't know. I don't think that was the same situation as what they have going on, but fine. Ricky's like, well, it hits a chord with me whatever. What do you think they say? They said blood is thicker than water. Ricky's like, I only have one sister and we'd fight as kids, but then you grow up and you know, life's too short. And then there's like a Robin and Brenda moment. She, Ricky invites them to reconcile and they kind of do. I guess it's nice. It just seems a little bit more like, it seems stiff, but I don't know. Brenda's like, I'm just not as emotional as she is. Maybe I'm more strong-headed than she is. Brenda suggests they should spend more time together, which should be easy now that they don't live down the street from each other. I have a feeling, or I had a feeling when I was watching this, I guess, I bet Brenda's love language is quality time and Robin's is words of affirmation. Or I just, maybe it's not exactly those, but I suspect, it just seems like these two aren't connecting and it, to me, it looks like very obviously a love languages issue because it's not like a specific, like, you did this or whatever. It's just like, I don't feel like you love me, like how I want to feel I'm loved by my sister. It seems like they both feel that way. So I think I'm going to chalk this one up to love languages. Uh, Ricky says everyone wants a hug. And they hug. It's 
like a bit awkward. And then I was like, maybe it's physical touch because like Brenda goes like Brenda's given a quick hug and Robin like holds it extra and it's kind of awkward. And then I was like, maybe it's the physical touch love language thing. Ricky asks Tanya if she's happy about the hug and Tanya's like, well, sort of, but it's just going to go back to like how it is when we get back home. Ricky insists that there's hope because Lachelle and Kachan fixed their relationship and now Kachan or Lachelle or whichever is good mom. So maybe this will help Robin and or Brenda. Again, that's very different. Just because they're sisters, it wasn't the same problem, but okay. And we'll be back with Karen Stark. Don't go away. Karen Stark, guess what? She's going to give them the same (laughs) same fucking advice as everyone else and also me because I felt very uh vindicated when she was like bev you are absolutely the problem jonathan pullins you are making it worse (laughs) everybody needs to just calm their tits and uh not be an asshole i think that's pretty much it ricky at one point uh takes an audience question out of the blue like we haven't it's not al bundy whatever we haven't seen this so like it's just a person and uh, ricky turns around and goes yes scooby-doo what the fuck like why why did you call them scooby-doo is that it sounds rude but okay um uh, who even cares about the question it was just like and nobody answered it so it doesn't even really matter to jonathan pullins and why can't you just get along i don't know we're we just can't ding 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 it's time for the audience comment of the day and the winner is al bundy (laughs) and they replay it it's that like you're too late to fight you're too thin to win it's like okay what's your name andy blanos (laughs) this is your moment andy let's soak it up uh ricky's like anthony all right let's see what you won it's a dumb fuck trophy Ricky says it shines and some roses and Ricky tells him slash asks him that it made his day. We come back to Ricky on her weird fake stairs <laughs> on her weird street type set street themed set I guess and she thanks everyone and says blood's thicker than water and then in a really airy voice goes huh where have I heard that before huh I don't know do 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 (laughs) the music comes and that's it and we did it and I didn't die in my car from heat stroke and my husband's surgery went fine they said it went great so we're all good I'm as I said I'm not I have to because I have no resources I have to still kind of hodgepodge this together so there's a bit of editing but I'm not going to probably listen to it so if there's weirdness I'm sorry um I hope you liked it anyway and uh yeah if you have any comments, feedback, concern, could you hear the clicking? Could you hear the air conditioning? I know you could, so maybe don't email me about that, but like <laughs> something constructive or helpful or just words of love and affirmation, I accept that too. You can send that all to realityrootspod at gmail.com. Uh, there's like a Facebook profile, realityrootspod at gmail. No, not at gmail because it's a Facebook profile. Fuck. Reality Roots Pod on Facebook. You can connect with me there. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. I will talk to you guys again as soon as I possibly can. Uh, catch you on the flippity flop. Slowly <laughs> on this. Uh, until next time, take care of yourself and others. Okay, bye.